Well, thank you so much for that warm welcome, and thank you, Pastor Tony. Um, you know, I first met your pastor uh, at one of our vertical church conferences back in the day uh, at a workshop where he was teaching on preaching. And now I'm here with you, and it's a little bit, you know, so hope I do okay. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to go, but uh, really grateful for him and for the partnership we have. Uh, I learned enough from his workshop and from others to know that uh, I have nothing in and of myself to offer you, but God's word is our food today. So grab a hold of your Bible and turn to Second Chronicles 20. This is going to be our spiritual food for today and the passage that we're going to look at. I'm grateful for the fact that uh, though we're in different cities and in different places, we have one Lord, one Savior, one Word, and we're going to learn from God's Word today together and grateful for just the unity that we can have in Jesus Christ because of his payment on the cross for our sins. I, um, As Pastor Tony mentioned, I have uh, three children. My youngest uh, hope is uh, I grew up in a house full of boys, you know, wrestling and stuff like that, had two boys, and then we have this daughter and so much emotion and so much drama and so much, uh, you know, beauty. It sort of like opened up a whole new part of me that I didn't even know that I had. But uh, because of that drama, there's some issues. We live downtown Chicago on the north side and we walk everywhere. And um, we'll frequently be walking down the street. And my daughter, Hope, who's in preschool now, she's four, um, she will just throw a fit. I mean, like, temper tantrums, screaming, pulling her hair, people walking by like, what are you doing to this girl? Um, If she doesn't know exactly where we're going, if she can't see, we're going to the store. We're just just going to the store to, to buy some more milk. If she can't see it, she just flips out. I mean, totally losing it. And I finally realized that the only thing that I've been able to do that can calm her down is to pull up my phone on Google Maps and actually do the directions for her and see, 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 we're this blue dot and we're going to the little red flag. So much so that now her only response, she'll start to melt down. She can't see where we're going and she'll be... <laughs> Can I see your phone? You know, she's just, but that's the thing that brings her peace because she still can't see where we're going. She still doesn't know how to get there, but knowing that her father has a plan brings her comfort. Knowing that she can trust me. I've, I always say to her like, we've always gotten to the little red flag, haven't we? We've, we've always gotten to where we're going. Yes. You know, but that, that security that she has in, me and maybe in Google Maps, is, is something that produces faith, produces trust. She's able to see a positive outcome even when she doesn't see where we're going. And we're going to look today at this passage in Second Chronicles so that the Lord can open our spiritual eyes to see his victories coming in our lives when we're not able to see them with our physical eyes. So let's begin uh, Chronicles 2 Chronicles 20, beginning in verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites, came up against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Now, stop for just a minute. So, this passage begins with this uh, little phrase, after this, which always makes you ask, after what? And 
right before this, if you look in uh, the previous chapters, Jehoshaphat, um, you can do it on your own time, you know, not now, we're talking. Um, but Jehoshaphat, he partners with Ahab, like Jezebel Ahab, that Ahab, um, and goes into battle with him without consulting the Lord and gets into this mess. Ahab dies. You can read the whole story. It's kind of this crazy account here. Um, but then after that, uh, he comes back home after, uh, you know, kind of tail between his legs sort of thing. And then chapter 19 uh, in my Bible, the heading that is not inspired, but it's helpful there, says Jehoshaphat's reforms. What Jehoshaphat does is he's like, all right, I really messed up. This wasn't good. I shouldn't have gone through this alliance. I shouldn't have pulled this into this battle that wasn't helpful for our people. Let's get back following after the Lord. He tears down many of the high places. He sets his heart to follow the Lord. He makes all of these reforms and the people follow him. It's interesting. There's only three kings uh, in the whole of God's word that, that are likened to King David. And Jehoshaphat is one of those. Throughout Chronicles and Kings, you see this. He's a good king. He's an evil king. He's a good king. He's an evil king. Most of them are evil. But there's only three that are said he had a heart like David. And Jehoshaphat's one of those. So this is the person we're looking at. Even though he had a had some poor choices, he's brought the people back. And then after he has sort of this revival, the nation's really doing well. We're following the Lord. After this, this, what we see here, a great multitude. Later, a great horde is coming up against them. We're not told exactly how big this army is, but we're told it's vastly superior numerically. We're told it's so much bigger, so much greater than anything that they have. It's just they're not able uh, to come up against them. He feels uh, out of options at this point. And this multitude, this vast multitude is at En Gedi. And uh, that doesn't mean a ton for us, but En Gedi is about 25 miles outside of Jerusalem uh, where they are at this time. So it's like, um, again, I looked at Google Maps. It'd be like at Clinton. Is that helpful? It's 25 miles from here. So essentially, it's less than a day's march for an army to be here. It's sort of like the, there's this huge army coming to kill everyone. They'll be here in the morning. That's what this is saying. You can see why Jehoshaphat uh, right away is afraid. He's, the threat is great. The threat is eminent. But Jehoshaphat seeks the Lord. And it's really helpful to see, you know, when you come to a passage like this that is sort of unique in a lot of ways, it's helpful to kind of ask the question, why is this even here? Why is this in God's word? I mean, for starters, it really happened. Let's just, we can all agree on that. I think that's one of the reasons it's here. It actually happened. But why is it here? And I believe that it's here because great God-sized victories only come when we seek the Lord with all of our heart. I'm trusting for the Lord for some God-sized victories in my family, for some God-sized victories in my church, for some God-sized victories in our nation to follow Jesus Christ. And that's only going to happen when you and I, each of us on our own, are seeking the Lord fully. We're setting our heart, setting our face to follow the Lord. Let's turn, uh, look down uh, at verse 3. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. 
And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of the Lord, they came to seek the Lord. So Jehoshaphat sets his face. It's this idea of determination. This is my only plan. I'm not going to try to fix this. I'm not going to stress over it. I'm taking it to the Lord right away. And we'll see. He gathers all the people together. And then in verse 5, he begins this prayer to the Lord. He says, uh, and Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord. God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the earth, the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house. And we will cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save And behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when we came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy, destroy. behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. Hear this. We do not know what to do but our eyes are on you. When we seek the Lord, we are able to see his victory at work in our lives. We see this because of three things. First, because my eyes see your power through prayer. My eyes see your power through prayer. Jehoshaphat right away, uh, his immediate response, it says here that he's afraid. of course, look, look what's against you. He's afraid, but, but right away, he sets his face to seek the Lord. Right away, he, he calls the people of the Lord together. We're going to take this to God. We're going to, we call for a fast. He gathers all the people together to pray. What is your immediate response when trouble knocks on your door? I'm a typical guy. I try to fix it. Who can I text to help me with this? Who can I, maybe I, if, I, if I come up with a good enough plan, if I spend some time, I'm going to pull out my notebook and, and I'm going to come up with three steps that I can do right now. Or maybe you like just sit in the corner and I stress about it and I'm anxious about it and I don't know what to do and I just, it's going to ruin my whole week and I just, I'm fretting over it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to call 12 people. I'm going to see if any of these people can fix it for me. Jehoshaphat's immediate response is setting his face to seek the Lord. His immediate response is prayer. His immediate response is, oh, we got to call a prayer meeting. Call all the elders in the church. Call all the small group leaders. Send out a big email. Get them all over at the church in an hour. We need to pray right now because we need the Lord. Only his power will work. Only his power will accomplish a victory in our response. What is your immediate response when trouble strikes? We have a dear couple in our church um, that a uh, number of a uh, little while ago, they uh, were pregnant with their second child and found out that um, the baby was not going to survive. Um, it's very likely not even going to be able to carry uh, their daughter to term. Uh, but the doctors were like, you know, if she survives the birth, it's minutes is really how long. There's just, there's, there's no hope there. So, you know, um, 
So I was in a meeting, I get out of that meeting and I have two text messages on my phone. One is from uh, the husband um, telling me what's happening. And the second is from my assistant that says, this couple just showed up at the church. I don't know what's going on, but they were crying and they're in the worship center praying right now. I'm on my way. I met him at the church. I, I love the fact that their immediate response was like, I want to get to God's house with God's people and pray. He alone can work in this situation. And it was beautiful because uh, the their daughter ended up, um, they did carry her to full term. And um, even just right before birth, the doctors was like, no, just, I don't want you to get your hopes up. It's just, there, it's a 0% chance that she will survive. And so you're going to have minutes, you're gonna, but they were like notifying their family and just praying and praying and praying, God, let our parents get here to just at least meet her. Let, let our small group just be able to just meet her. That, that was their big prayer. They sent me a text. We're going to the hospital right now. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I hopped in my car, drove to the hospital and met them there, showed up about three minutes after uh, this baby was born. Her name is Hope, uh, just like my daughter. Showed up about three minutes. Um, and then their small group showed up about 10 minutes after I did. The baby's still alive. Hope's still hanging on. Her parents are holding on to her. Um, and a small group gathers around and they're like, traffic is bad to Chicago. That's a normal thing for us. But traffic is bad into Chicago. We're just praying that she'll hold on a lo- long enough for my parents to get here. Both sets of parents came, had about half an hour, and then she passed away with all of us in the room. Before that, we led a beautiful, I've never done this before. We did a child dedication service in the, uh, the hospital room there with the doctors all sitting there. We're praying for this child and praying for their family and praying for peace through the most difficult time you can imagine. Seeing them in our church, we have this old cathedral that was built in 1861, and this young couple at the front of our church, and this tiny little coffin at the foot of the altar, and preaching the gospel, and through the tragedy in their lives, turning to the Lord immediately. Where else would we go? He's never forsaken us before. Where else would we go? You alone have the power to work in this situation and to see the Lord answer those prayers that they were praying, just that she would hold on a little bit so that they could meet her, her small group around them. I I love the fact that their immediate response was prayer to the Lord, and I love the fact that their immediate response was, let's get the people of God around us. When tragedy strikes you, text your small group. Call them right now. Get them over to your house and start praying God's power in your life and in your circumstances to see him at work. It's only his power that's manifest through prayer that's going to accomplish the victory in our lives. Here's a few ways uh, praying God's power. This is a pattern that we see in this, this passage of scripture that I believe is really helpful for us. First of all, when you're praying for God's power, rally God's people. When difficulty comes, when you need the Lord to work, grab your small group, grab your church family, get them around you. When you don't have the strength or the power or even the words to say, they will hold you up. Rally God's people. That's what Jehoshaphat does here. He gathers all of God's people. We're getting together. They're at the temple here, right before the new court. We're all together praying for the Lord's power in this. And then secondly, remember God's reign. Notice what Jehoshaphat does in in verse five. He says, you're God in heaven. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might. None is able to withstand you. Lord, your arm is not too short. You've got this. You're strong enough 
to be able to take this. We are not. But he's remembering God's reign and then he's recounting God's promises. He's reminding himself and the people of God's faithfulness in the past. What he does, it's so amazing. He's, this whole account where he says, um, you know, he's pointing back to the dedication of the temple, really, what happens in Second Chronicles 6, where Solomon stands there and prays this exact prayer. Like, there's going to come a time, Solomon's standing there, picture him, in the, in the court of the temple with all the people around him. He's praying this prayer to the Lord as they're dedicating it. Lord, there's going to come a time when a whole bunch of people come up against us and we don't have what it takes and we're going to stand right in this spot and we're going to pray for you to work and you've promised that you will provide for us. And so that's going to happen. And now Jehoshaphat's over here saying, you remember, we stood right here. Solomon stood right here, all of us together, praying for the Lord to work. Lord, we're doing that now. You said that you would act on our behalf. We knew that we would need you. Now is that time. He's recounting God's promises, God's faithfulness in the, in the past. And then fourthly, he's recognizing my need. Right away, he says, he calls this, it's like my favorite verse in this passage. We are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. In the time of trial, in the time of your most severe difficulty, may our prayer always be, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. My eyes will see your power through prayer. My eyes see your salvation through faith. My eyes see your salvation through faith. Let's look at uh, verse 13 through 17. Meanwhile, so can you picture them there? They're all standing there. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord. They're in, in the temple court at this point. They stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. So we've got God's word coming here. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. My eyes see your salvation through faith. One of the amazing things that I think this passage teaches us as well is that God loves to win victories that display that only he could have done it. God loves to win victories in your life that prove you couldn't have done that without the Lord. God loves to win victories in our churches that prove only God could have done that. And we've seen so many of those things happen. I think it's amazing to hear of the 10 years of God's faithfulness. And behind that celebration, there are countless stories of God at work in this church. Ways that God broke down barriers. Ways that God redeemed marriages that seemed too far gone. Ways that God saved prodigals that seemed like there's no hope. Ways that God answered prayers in your business and in your family 
All of that's behind that. So as you recount and celebrate God's faithfulness for 10 years for your church, remember those things. Celebrate God's answered prayers, the way that he has worked, those victories that he has won, that only he could do it. God's gonna use those things to grow your faith. And we say often that faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God promises a good result. It's believing the word of God and acting on it. It's not just, I'm gonna sit here and, you know, um, precious moments. I have the little faith poster and stuff like that, which are great if you have precious moments, that's fine. But it's not just the little poster thing. It, it's the, I'm acting on it. It's gonna change my behavior this week because I believe what God said and I believe that he's using it for my good and I believe that he knows what's best and so I'm gonna step out in faith and believe and act no matter how I feel because I know that the Lord is in it. So he says here, um, this word of the Lord that comes, you know, he, he says the, the battle's not even yours. It's, it's God's. But then he says, tomorrow go down again, verse 16, tomorrow go down against them. Uh, and it says, you know, go up against them essentially. This is sort of, if you remember Yosemite Sam, it's like them's fighting words, you know. The, the term here really is like, take your army and stand there. I get the picture of like Braveheart, if you remember that movie with like the, all the people standing there in their kilts and stuff, they're going to fight each other. That's kind of what it's talking about. It's like, go out against them. Like, they're not going to have any question what's going on. They're, they're going to know that you're there to fight. So them's fighting words. Uh, but he, they do say, stand firm, hold your position. They're called to take action, but they're also told that it's not even your battle. You're going to see the salvation of the Lord. It actually doesn't say you're going to accomplish the salvation of the Lord or even you're going to be a part of it. It just says, do this, you're going to get to see it, which is really an amazing thing uh, that they're able to see God's uh, salvation. Now, it's interesting in this passage too, uh, multiple times uh, Jehoshaphat and the people of, of Judah are told, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. Why do you think they're told multiple times to not be afraid? It's really interesting to me. It just like repeats it and repeats it. And that I, it came to me, it's just, I mean, this only happens through a lot of st study, really. But it, it's because they were afraid. <laughs> See, I learned that in Pastor Tony's preaching um, <laughs> workshop. Uh, they're, they're fearful. Think about all that's happening against them. And so over and over, God's word to them is like, don't be afraid, I got this. Don't be afraid, I'm working. Don't be afraid, you're gonna see the salvation come. Don't be afraid, I've got this. When we fear, uh, we're not able to trust the Lord. And when we release our fear, perfect love casts out fear. When we can reciprocate that love, when we can trust in the love that he has for us, it casts out the fear um, in our lives. If you have, as I have, if you've turned from your sins and embraced Jesus Christ by faith, Think about the victory that the Lord has won in your life over sin and over death. The things that he's redeemed you from and redeemed me from, the darkness that was in my own heart before he broke those chains and set me free. He accomplished that victory. What else is there? If he can redeem such a dark and lost person as me, he can take care of anything that happens in this world. What can't he handle? 
What have we to fear? What have we to fear when, when it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor debt nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What have we to fear? What have we to fear when he who is greater, who is in you is greater than he who is in the world? What have we to fear when we know that we know that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. He is working them for your good. What have we to fear? So when we feel that we are powerless against this great horde, we look to the Lord to see his power. We see his salvation through faith. We, like Peter, can walk on the water until we turn our eyes away from Jesus and look at the wind and the waves. Peter only sinks when he begins to look at those things. When our eyes are fixed on the Lord, our salvation is secure. Looking at my circumstances produces fear. Looking at my Lord produces faith in his victory. My eyes see your power through prayer. My eyes see your salvation through faith. And finally, my eyes see your victory through worship. My eyes see your victory through worship. Let's read this last portion beginning in eight, verse 18. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the Kohathites and the Korathites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. And they went out before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who came against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. This is amazing. Before the battle even begins, Jehoshaphat and the people of, of the Lord start praising him. So they hear the word of the Lord and right away their, their response is like, let's praise the Lord for this answer to prayer. They haven't even actually seen it yet, keep in mind, but they're, they're bring out the worship team. Let's, let's, I mean, he, he gets like the actual people who their whole job is to worship the Lord. Like they're the people that end up fighting this battle. It's like the worship leaders. It's pretty cool. I, I don't know. Some of the worship leaders at my church wear really tight pants. I'm not sure if they could do all this, but I really hope that gets back to them. Um, but they're, they're, the worship leaders come out, they bring the band out, and we're, they're worshiping the Lord. He's on his face. I, I love it, too, that they're, they're praising the Lord with a loud voice. That's amazing. I love that, that they're fervent about it. God wins this victory in it. Now, um, 
A couple of ways, these are ways that God wins victories in our lives. God's victories, uh, first there's the victory of provision. Many times, like here, God provides miracles and in very, very specific ways. My wife and I had uh, a season um, a couple of years ago where um, I, I have um, like a, a back injury from, I used to play hockey, it's a really long story, but I had this back injury and I was in physical therapy for it and all this stuff. And um, she had a so- shoulder surgery for a, a torn rotator cuff. And then she has this uh, stomach issue that she'll have forever. And it was like all of the medical bills at one time. You know, like when you hit your out-of-pocket maximum twice from November 1st to February 1st, that's kind of hard because... So we had, you know, I'm a pastor. This is a rough salary times, you know, and we, we just had, it was kind of a rough year for us financially because of that. We're at the doctor so many times over and over and over, and we worked really hard. We canceled a vacation. We worked really hard with our finances uh, to try to like pay off all of these things. And um, we, we got to the, like the end of our savings, the end of everything we could do. We kind of skimped everything and got to where we had $900 left, which was a huge thing to get it down to that far. And we were just like, I, don't, I still don't know how I'm going to pay that 900. How long is it going to take me for that? I got to, you know, and, um, so I came to church one day and, uh, my assistant was like, handed me an envelope. And she said, this is from somebody they don't want you to know who it is. And I'm like, okay, great, great. So I was teaching membership classes. So I got my back pocket or whatever. And then like I get home after church and everything, having lunch and everything. And I was like, oh yeah, I got that envelope. And I pulled it out and it was $900 cash with a little note that just said four medical bills. And I was like, what? I, there really are only a couple of people that like I really told specifically, like, I think it's just the people in my small group even knew what that number was. So the fact that God answered that so miraculously, so perfectly, and I love the fact that he used someone in our church. I can't thank them. I can't, you know, whatever. But I love the way that that they were able to step into a need that they saw that they could meet. But God met that provision in a miraculous way. way I didn't see it. I didn't uh, even pray for that. Um, But the Lord met us in a miraculous way. He does that here. They're here in the middle of a worship service, and and the people kill each other. It's kind of... I mean, I don't know, like, I remember, like, you know, the Civil War stuff, like, they they wore different uniforms. I'm not sure how this happened exactly, but it tells us that it does. Um, so, all of this happens. This is a miraculous victory of provision for them. Uh, victory of provision, also victory of petitions granted. Many, many, many times, God answers our prayers. We're calling out, this family was calling out for prayer for their daughter just to live long enough for their parents to be there. And God granted that prayer. God answers some of these. That is a huge victory in their lives to be able to see that. And many times God answers our prayers um, and our specifics and gives us what we ask for uh, of him. Um, Third, a victory of perseverance. God will give us the strength to keep going. When I feel like I I can't take another step, God gives us enough grace. My grace is sufficient for you. You don't have like an overflow of this grace that's going on for, to take the next step, but I have enough to take the next step. I have enough for what's right in front of me. God gives us, when I think I can't go any further, he gives us the strength, the perseverance to continue on in that victory. Uh, and then fourthly, a victory of peace. Peace is the calm assurance that God is in control no matter what happens. 
No matter what's happening in my life, it's for my good. It's the calm assurance that my daughter has when I show her the phone with the little red flag that she can trust in that. I still don't have an answer yet. I'm not there yet, but I have the peace that God's at work. And so wherever you're at, whatever victory you are looking for in your life, if you're looking for a miraculous provision, and many of us are uh, a God-sized, only the Lord can do this, he can win that victory. And for many of us, he gives us the perseverance. He gives us the strength to go on uh, in the midst of a difficult time. Many of us, he gives us that peace that you're going to go through the storm, but the Lord's with you in that. Don't miss this here. It says that you will not need to fight. The Lord will fight for you. And then it closes in, in verse 17 by saying, and the Lord will be with you. His presence is the thing that brings peace for us. When the doctor's news is too dark, when the prodigal seems too far gone, when the financial outcome is too bleak, when the marriage seems too far broken, I choose to believe that God is working all of these things for my good. I choose to believe that on the other side of what I can't see is a victory that God is going to win in my heart for his glory and my good. I choose to believe that. It's amazing here, this is outside the passage that we're looking at really, but in in, uh, verse 14, it says, when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness. So get this. Jehoshaphat, all the people of Israel, they're having this worship service, all the worship teams out there and everything like that. They're worshiping the Lord. All of this happens. They're not even in the same spot. Like I, the last, I've always read this passage and thought, oh yeah, they're like watching from the mountaintop as they're sort of killing each other and they're like praising the Lord. They are so wrapped up in the worship of the heavenly father that they don't even see all of that coming. They just walk up to see the victory already happened. God already won this. I was busy giving him my all in worship and he won that victory for me. I didn't have to go take a, uh, figure out all of the details to do. I didn't have to stress over it. I didn't have to make it work. God won it for us. We just showed up and it was already won. It's amazing that this impromptu worship service is happening while God is winning this valley, this uh, victory for them. God often brings us through the valleys to bring us to an end of ourselves, to bring us to the point where at last we realize that only a miracle from him will do so that he alone wins the glory. God loves to win those victories in your life and in mine that show that he alone could do it, that he alone is worthy of the glory. So I'd love for you to just uh, bow your heads with me. Now we're going to uh, sing in just a moment. But I want to ask, what is the battle that you're facing right now that only the Lord can win? What are you facing right now that would bring you into a greater dependence on him and display his glory to a watching world? Because when we seek him, we see his victory. And for many of us, you may not be struggling with a specific victory right now. Things are going pretty good, actually, you know? But some people in this room, some of us are carrying a very heavy burden. Maybe it's a relationship that's strained. Maybe it's some finances that are 
not where we want them to be. Maybe it's a business decision. Maybe it's a prodigal gone. Maybe it's a marriage that's hurting. Maybe it's a a friend that you're desperately wanting to come to the Lord. If you have a victory that only the Lord could win, as we pray, just as a, a step of faith, just sort of hold out your hands in front of you. It's just between you and the Lord. Just to sort of say, Lord, I want to receive your victory. I want to receive it in a way that only you can do it. And we're going to all pray together. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful and we are amazed at your victory. The way that you've won a victory over our hearts and our souls. You've brought us from death to life. You've brought us from darkness to light. The chains in our hearts that you have broken to set us free to you. We give you glory and praise for all of those things. But God, many of us are carrying burdens and facing a great horde and are looking to you for a victory in our lives that only you can do. As we look at the path before us, we don't even see a way for this to happen. But Lord, you know. So we pray that you would make a way where there is no way. We pray that you would answer a prayer that we don't even know to pray yet. We pray that you would make a victory happen in our lives that would show that you are glorious, that you are in control, that you are sovereign, and that you are worthy of our praise. God, for the one who is burdened about a loved one or a friend who's far from you, God, may you bring that person back to you. May you break up the ground that is hard in their heart. Would you draw them back to yourself? Lord, use the circumstances around them to make them see that you alone have the answer to eternal life. God, for that relationship that is so strained and so broken where forgiveness needs to be granted, God, I pray that you would melt the ice there. Lord, that you would work in that, that you would call people back to repentance and reconciliation. God, for the person whose finances don't add up, there's more month at the end of the money. God, I pray that you would provide for that person in a miraculous way. God, give them the peace, give them the perseverance to keep going. God, we pray that in the waiting, we would trust you more. We pray that as you use these circumstances, that our faith would be stirred. Lord, we don't desire to walk through these valleys, but we don't want to be the person we were before them. We know that you use those things to change us and to mold us into the image of your perfect son, Jesus Christ. Oh God, we want to be like him. So use these trials, use these battles and win them for your glory and for our good. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.